goodness, your love, your blessings in our lives. We thank you for this beautiful weather that we can enjoy today. And Lord, we just ask for your grace and wisdom to help us, that we may be your servants, Lord. And that truly, we would not ask you to help our efforts, but Lord, that we would be helpers of yours. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Continue our, our study in, in worship. Tonight, I'd like to bring the third in our series here. And we're just going to lay some more groundwork. Last week, we went through Revelation 4 and 5 and really just a, uh, many different verses we tied in there. What worship ought to look like. Worship ought to be praising God, lifting him up, understanding that He alone is worthy. Any good thing about us is because of our contact with God. Amen? And so tonight, what I'd like for us to do is just kind of move in the next progression here of trying to understand one of the things at the meeting It really kind of challenged me greatly was Brother Hardy, Dave Hardy Sr. was preaching there and and he was saying, you know, early in my ministry, he said, uh, um, he said I got under conviction about worship. And uh, he said it was kind of like the Holy Spirit was asking me, can you define it? And he was going, wow, I, I can't even define the word. And uh, praise the Lord. Uh, uh, we, we do have a good working definition, a good understanding of what worship really is. I mean... The, the best way I know how to put it is, is grappling with who God is. It is trying to get a hold of that. You know, we forget who God is. Remember uh, Brother Nielsen and his definition of discouragement. Forgetting who God is. Now, if I were to ask you a question, how many of you fought with discouragement this week? How many hands would go up? Uh, uh-oh. But... Really, what is worship? It is trying to understand who God is. Why do we get discouraged? Because we don't understand. We forget. We don't remember. We don't think about it. Uh, And it, it is so easy to get wrapped up in everything that's going on around us. Uh, and again, I, I, and this is not part of the message, but I just want to thank you as a church for putting up with all the distractions from Union for these last almost two years. And uh, we're, we're getting close. We're getting so close. My wife said, you're getting so close that you're going to forget the anniversary. And I said, no, I, I'm not going to do that. Uh, we're going to we're going to try, uh, you know, and... and Yet, why are we here as a church? We're here to do the will of God. Amen. It's His body. The individual members are parts. And if we do not work together, what happens? We're not going to be obedient to Christ. And one of the main purposes is worship. And so tonight what I'd like for us is kind of just to 
take a journey through the Bible and pick up some reasons why worship happens in the Bible. True worship of God is not something that we normally just sit down and say, it's Sunday morning time to worship. Now, we do have a worship service every Sunday morning. Some Sundays are better than others, aren't they? There are some Sundays we get a hold of this thing. There are other Sundays that we struggle. You know why? Because we're people. And as we go through this week, we bring everything that we have fought with, that has weighed us down, that has hurt us, that has encouraged us. We bring that all with us. But I think if we'll look at this thing, worship usually is more spontaneous. It's like the result of different things going on. It should be a connection between us and our God. But there are reasons attached. And the first one, let's go to Genesis chapter 24. Genesis chapter 24, and and Genesis 22 is the first mention uh, of what uh, worship is. And we went through that as God initiated between him and Abraham. God was trying to help Abraham get a hold of to grapple with who God is and what God was going to do. And who was the beneficiary of that worship experience? Abraham was. And we, in turn, benefited from Abraham's worship because we can see that God's plan to send His Son, Jesus, to die to pay the price for our sins was not a new thing. It was not a spur of the moment. This was, as the Bible tells us, before the foundation of the earth. And God reveals this. The intimacy that Abraham was able to share with God through worship. But I want us, if we get one thing from Abraham, I want us to get this. Abraham put everything on the line. You know, that kind of worship, we, we don't get to very often. And uh, for years, I've been trying to preach about terrifying faith. Where you're being obedient to the Word of God, but it just scares the living daylights out of you. How many of you have ever been there? And uh, one of the preachers was preaching. He said, marvelous. The meaning of the Word is one awe and terror meet. I said, wow, there we go. That's the word I've been looking for for all of these years. It is a marvelous faith. Uh, You marvel, that is all. You're just standing there, and and yet it completely shocks your system. uh, The the terror is is there. They meet, and, and that word marvelous really is like the word awesome. It should only be used referring to God. 
It should not be awesome pizza or awesome car or awesome job or uh, marvelous worker. Uh, really, those words ought to be reserved for God. Because He's the only one that can really fill the true definition. And, and so, as we think about those things and put those thoughts in your mind, if you would, as we look at Genesis 24... Uh, this is, of course, a very famous story. Uh, in verse 1, Abraham was old and well stricken, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, the earth that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. Now, this here was really the greatest duty that Abraham had to exercise in his post chapter 22 life. His faith had been tested, but if Abraham did not ensure that the next generation, that Isaac was going to be led in the right way, what would happen? In fact, God is, if you remember back in chapter, uh, I think it's uh, uh, 19, as God is going to Sodom and Gomorrah, the Lord is going. He says, I'm going to tell Abraham what I'm about to do because I know he's going to order his house well. This, this was part of Abraham's faith in God. And Abraham called his eldest servant. And he said, you're going to go back to the land of my kindred and you're going to find a wife for my son Isaac. A wife that is going to... Worship God. You, it had, this had to be done. This was not something that could be looked over. And so, God, Abraham gives instruction to the servant. He sends him there. And the servant, as he is going, I'm sure this is the only thought that is consuming his mind. I need a miracle of God. Amen. And uh, uh, most every young person looking for that person that they're going to marry, they say, I need a miracle of God. Amen. And and, uh, that is just the thought that ought to be there. You can't make a mistake. If you do, not to bring up sad things, but if you do, you lose so much. You, you can't go back. You can't redo this. And so, this servant is going. He understands the severity. He understands the importance. And so, he prays and he says, God, uh, verse 13, Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. And let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, let down thy pitcher, I pray thee that I may drink, and she shall say, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. 
Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac, and thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. Now the servant says, how am I going to know which one is supposed to be Isaac's wife? He says, well, I'm standing by a well of water. Here's a good thought. If I ask for a drink of water and she volunteers to give the camels a drink of water, that's, that's showing uh, a good spirit and a willingness to be helpful and kind. Uh, that's, that's a good thing, is it not? I mean, human reasoning takes you there. But only God can make it happen. And, of course, the servant was looking. Uh, how do we say this kindly? He, he wasn't going to pick an ugly one, right? I mean, uh, he, it, it says that he was there looking. He, he, he found uh, the first girl that came. She was well-favored and beautiful and young and all of those things that she was supposed to be. And, 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 uh, and so, uh, the servant in verse 17, he ran to meet this one. He wasn't going to let her get by. And so he runs and says, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, Drink, my lord. And she hasted, let down her pitcher upon a hand, gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. Now, that was quite an undertaking. Uh, that was not... Here, I'll give the camels a drink. That was, I will give the camels enough water to finish drinking. How many of you have ever seen camels drink water? Uh, after a journey like this, they can go through the desert uh, a long time without water, but they need water. And when they do drink, they, they drink great quantities. I, I'm, I've been told that one camel could drink four or five gallons of water. They had ten camels. That'd be easy. Fifty gallons of water. Nine pounds a gallon. Do the math. That was one worn out young lady in a matter of moments. But here she said, I'm going to keep drawing water until they've done. And he waited until she fulfilled her word. Because he wasn't going to pick someone who was going to say, Oh, this is too much work. I can't do this. That, that shows poor character, doesn't it? Promising things that you cannot do. And so he was letting here. And when he finally asked her, he gives her a reward for what she's done. He asked her for a place to lodge. And then in verse 26, And the man bowed down his head and what? Worship the Lord. And here's how he worshiped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. Abraham had said, Go to my kindred. How could he get any more kindred than this? He didn't know her name. He didn't know where she was. But yet, all of a sudden, he understands that God has blessed 
his obedience to the authority in his life. And what happens? Worship. It's spontaneous. He cannot stop himself because he has seen the hand of God working in his personal life. Can I challenge you that this is not something special for Abraham's servant, but this is something that ought to be sought in the life of every believer in Jesus Christ. Can we say amen to that? That we ought to ask God to bring us to a place where we can see that our obedience to the things that God has put in our life, the authorities that God brought, this man was Abraham's servant. He may have been the very man that Abraham referred to all those years uh, before when he said, this Eliezer of Damascus is going to be my heir. It may have been the same man. We don't know if it was. He was probably just a few years younger than Abraham at this point, who was pushing 140. I mean, uh, that's quite, quite an elderly man to be making this trip. We don't know. But what we do know is he obeyed God's given authority. He took the responsibility to do the task that God had given to Abraham, and Abraham had passed that responsibility to him. He saw God's hand working and fulfilling Abraham's direction and he worshipped God. He would go to the house and he would say, and he said, I'm not going to eat, I'm not going to sit down until I told you my errand. And he explained the story. And Laban and Bethuel looked at each other and said, This thing proceeds from God. How can we say anything against it? And in verse 48, he worships God again. You see, there, there are so many applications. I could make the whole sermon tonight just on point one here. If we're going to worship God, if we want Real, true worship. And I want you to understand something here. 25th anniversary is not for me, your pastor. It's for our church. It is to give glory to the Lord Jesus Christ for There's a lot of churches that don't live 25 years. Uh, there's a lot of church plants here in New York City that never make it. And we have so much to be thankful to the Lord for. But you know what we've done? Is we followed God-given authority. I followed my, my, went to my pastor and he said, we will commission you to go start a church. And as much as in me is, we tried to follow that direction and not do a lot of other things that could be done, but to pursue the goal of seeing a church established. We've had people come in 
and become members. And, and guess what? To be a member of this church, you've got to take personal responsibility, don't you? Uh, you can't hide in the pews here. Uh, there aren't that many of them. And uh, I just, you know, remember watching, and, and maybe I can just pick on a couple of people, but we have two families here tonight that both husband and, uh, well, Jason didn't get saved here, but Anita got saved here. Both Dave and Carolina got saved here. And they started following God's direction, and he put them together as a family. What a blessing. And, and we get to watch those things and watch all the little ones run around. Never get tired of the little ones running around. Amen? You see, worship happens as a natural result of obedience when God begins to work in our hearts and our lives. And you know what? We're going to the next point here as quickly as we can. God doesn't always work the way that we want Him to. But part of that worship, let's go to Exodus chapter 4. Part of that worship is surrendering to doing things God's way. How many of you know what happened in Exodus chapter 4? Let's go down to the uh, end of the chapter, I believe. Uh, Exodus chapter 4, verse 29. And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people, verse 31, and the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel... And that he had looked upon their affliction. What happens? And they bowed their head and they worshiped. Now, what are they going to do in the next chapter when Pharaoh takes away the straw for the brick? And they're going to say, you put a hand, a sword in the hand of Pharaoh to kill us. You're not telling us about worshiping. I mean, they complained and fussed and they're standing at the Red Sea and Moses has to tell him literally, Hold your peace! And then God opens the Red Sea. But what they did here was they simply believed God's message. They didn't know how God was going to deliver them. They didn't understand when things didn't go well. Remember the first several of those plagues also happened to the children of Israel. God was letting them go through just a little bit of difficulty as well so that they could understand the power of God. You see, then we get down to Exodus chapter 12 and we won't turn there, but They explained to them the Passover and what God would do and how God was about to judge Egypt and the children of Israel worshipped God again. 
How many of you are looking forward to the glories and the blessings of eternity with Jesus Christ? Amen? That is the message, is it not? And I give unto them what? Eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Wow. You know what that ought to do in our hearts? It ought to help us grapple just a little bit with how good God is. The expectation of His message ought to cause us to grab a hold a little deeper of who God is and let that push us down. You see, the biggest enemy of true worship is me first. Me, 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 myself, my favorite person. How many people go around in New York City? It's almost a joke. said, I'm here to represent this charity. And you know what the charity is. It's them. Uh, That is the charity. Uh, You see it on the subways and those kids selling the candy bars and all. Let me tell you something. The charity they represent is me, myself, and I. And uh, that, that doesn't mean that you've done something wrong if you help them out a little bit. But it's a little frustrating. I... Uh, real charity is giving someone the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. But what here is in hope of God's message, they worshiped. They believed that message and they trusted God. Were they perfect in their trust for, with God and for God? No. They were, as we might say in our modern, they, God drug them all the way, kicking and screaming. Now, didn't he? Uh, the children of Israel really were problematic children. Uh, and um, yet, they worshipped God, didn't they? Abraham's servant worshipped God because he had been obedient to the authority in his life and he saw The hand of God moving in connection with his obedience. That's something we ought to strive for. We need to. You're going to be discouraged. You're going to end up forgetting who God is if we do not keep the expectation of his word and his promises in front of us. Amen? Now let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 26. We might get through this message tonight. Got two more points here. Deuteronomy chapter 26. And we won't take time to read the whole chapter, but the entire chapter is about an offering. You see, giving is part of our worship to God. It is really a reflection of our heart attitude toward God. And God had commanded a lot of things. If you follow uh, the Bible in its entirety, if you study the Old Testament law, you will find out that tithing was not the sum total of the giving that God required. Uh, In fact, if you 
take things thoroughly and, and really study everything in the law, it was, it was a lot closer to 20 or 25 percent. And if you were one of those persons that sinned a lot and had to go, uh, it could get astronomical very quickly. Uh, and uh, in order for you to meet those requirements that were set down by the law. And yet, here's what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 26. Let's just start in verse 1. And it shall be when thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance and possesses it and dwellest therein, then thou shalt take of the first of all the fruit of the earth which thou shalt bring of thy land that the Lord thy God giveth thee and shalt put it into in a basket and shalt go unto the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name there. Now, let's skip down to uh, uh, verse uh, 10. And now, behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land which thou, O Lord, hast given me, and thou shalt set it before the Lord thy God and worship before the Lord thy God. And thou shalt rejoice in every good thing which the Lord thy God hath given unto thee and unto thine house, thou and the Levite and the stranger that is among you. And it goes on and talks about the tithing of the land and all of the different offerings that were there. But sometimes we lose sight of everything that God has done for us, of what he has given us, of how he has blessed us. And this worshiping was to honor God every year with the beginning of the harvest. See, we do not live in an agricultural society. We, we just really don't get it. If you ever see one of those bumper stickers, uh, if you can read, thank your teacher. Uh, if you're eating, thank a farmer. If you ever seen those things, uh, they're, they're around if you look for them. But, see, in this day and time in Israel, if you didn't raise your food, unless you were a very wealthy person, you didn't eat. You had to raise the food your family ate. I stopped and thought about how many bags of flour I buy at BJ's during a year. Do you know how big of a crop of wheat it would take to grind that much flour? I mean, it's just mind-boggling to me. I, I am so glad that I can just go down and pick it off the shelf and put it in the cart. But it, it would take literally... Scores, if not over a hundred acres of wheat to produce enough food in one year just to supply the flour, let alone all of the other vegetables and things. It would it would be it would be crazy to to do that. And yet in the land of Canaan they were to take of the first fruits. And rehearse the blessings that God had given. And that was part of their worship. 
you read Romans chapter 1, what is the first step to perdition? Neither were they, what's the word? Thankful. You know what this is? Worship is because of God's blessings. You know what? Sometimes we think God ought to bless us more than He has. When if we'll just stop and think of all the blessings that we do have, it will bring worship in our heart, in our life. And that's where we need to be. Amen? And so we're going to go to one more here. Let's quickly here, uh, before our time is up, let's go to the book of Job. The book of Job, and this is in great contrast to all the rest of them. Obedience to God's Word, God's authority, the hope of God's message that He has bring, the offering uh, of the blessings that God has given, reminding ourselves that every good thing in our life has come from God and that we should offer those things is a very small token. And let's look at verse 20. Then Job, of chapter 1 of the book of Job, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground. What's those next two words? And worshipped. Oh, that, that puts worship in an entirely different light now, doesn't it? See, that's part of the problem with this quote-unquote praise and worship that goes around today. The happiest place to be is when God's good to me and the saddest place is when God's mean to me. Well, wait a minute. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Let me tell you, Job didn't feel very rewarded at this point, now did he? He had just lost everything, including ten of his children buried in the house of the eldest son. And Job's response was to worship God. Why? Why would the losing, the loss of everything... Bring about worship to God. Number one, because God is still there. Number two, because God is still God. If you want the theme of the book of Job, it is simply this. Let God be God. Job got his nose just a little bit out of joint there. He, he got listening to his three friends and tried to meet their arguments and, and uh, kind of illustrated uh, very dramatically the, uh, the thing of Proverbs where you don't answer a fool according to his folly lest he be wise in his own conceit. But if you, um, if you answer a fool according to his folly, you're going to be like him. And Job kind of ended up there, and God had to just literally grab a hold of Job and shake him just a little bit. Where were you when 
I created the earth. Uh, show me your righteousness. Show me your ability to humble the proud. And I'll, I'll worship you. And of course, Job said, I repent in dust and ashes, didn't he? He got right back to where he was here. Sometimes we're faced with things we don't like. Things that are terrible. Things that bring pain and suffering in our lives. But here's what Job did. He took that pain and suffering and loss. And just like the blessings and the bounty, he brought it back to God and said, I'm still going to trust you as God. That's worship, my friend. See, worship does not depend upon circumstance. But as we have studied tonight, circumstance ought to bring about worship in our lives. We need to pray. Really pray and seek God that He would bring about in your life a point of contact where you can say, I followed my God-given authority. I followed the Bible. I followed my church. I served God. I did what was right. And look at what God did. We say amen to that. That only happens when you're... What was the servant's words? I, being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. He'd never made it if he didn't obey the words he was given in the first place. Amen? We talk about that second one. The people listened. They believed God's word. And because they believed God's word at Moses and Aaron, what did they do? They worshipped in expectation of God's deliverance. Now, they complained and fussed about it the whole time. Worship doesn't have to be perfect, but we're not perfect. Amen? When God does bless us, when He does give us something, we need to remember it is not a duty to put an offering in the offering plate. It is a rehearsal of God's blessings in our lives. It is the ability to bring back to God and to review the goodness of our God. And when we get down to the story of Job and we can look at others, we have to understand We have to, if we're going to grapple with who God is, God does not answer to me. He does not answer to you. He doesn't answer to our church. We answer to Him. If I could have picked a different pathway for this whole uh, Union Baptist thing, I would have done it. Uh... I mean, last year, I, about this time, I was like, this is it. 
we're done. And then in December, we finally got the building inspector out there and he moved the goalpost on us. Now, I want you to really start praying. That doesn't happen again. Amen? Uh, it should not. Uh, there's no reason for it to. But we, we need to pray. Because it's not going to happen because we've done such a great job and we're such smart people and, and I'm such a good craftsman. And, uh, no, it, it's going to happen because of the result of the prayers of God's people. If it happens, it's going to happen because of that. Guess what? Worship. We're, we're going to let God do things His way. Because He is God. Sometimes he leads us through some dark pathways. But that's okay. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Thy rod, the authority of his word, and staff, they comfort me. Well, you know, the shepherd could kill snakes with that staff. And he could also knock a little wayward lamb right on the noggin. Wake up. Follow in the path. And he could reach over the edge of a precipice and pull that little lamb out of the thorn bush that was keeping him from falling to his death in the valley below. You know... He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And if we're going to grapple with who God is, it will lead us to true biblical worship of the only true God. And if it doesn't, then we're not studying the right book. Or we're not understanding the words. There, there's some major short circuit in that process here. Worship ought to be the natural result of understanding God's Word. Seeing His hand moving in our life. Amen? The expectation and the hope that is in this book in the ability to give back to God just a little bit of what he's given to us and have him accept it and call it worship. Of being able to, no matter what happens under any set of circumstances, to still honor him as the only true God. That's worship. And we need Worship. And all God's people say. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight in prayer. And Lord, my prayer is that we just gain a little more knowledge about what worship is because of the lives that are recorded in your word and the stories that we looked at tonight. And Lord, that we would be willing To understand that you are always God and you are always good no matter what.
For Lord, we thank you that there are times when we have enough of your blessings that we can bring back a portion of those and give them to you to honor and glorify you as the one who has endowed us with every good thing in our life. We thank you for the promises and the expectations that your word gives us. But Lord, we thank you for the authority in your word and the fact that in being obedient to your word, we can see the unseen hand of God move in miraculous and amazing ways. Lord, we ask that this worship, this kind of worship, could be experienced in all of our lives that you may be honored and glorified for who you are, the only true God. We pray that this church would truly be the body of Christ to reach this area and into all the world. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, we'll just have the piano play. If you need to slip out,